What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shishkoombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Andy. No. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. You've got you've got your whole setup right now, and uh, the scheduling gods made sure that I ended up being at Cincinnati Comic Con today, helping out some people who have a booth here. So you just get to uh, hang out with me in a quiet place at the convention oh, center. Man. No worries. Hey, dude. Yeah. Make it so, work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. So um, usually when I do this podcast, I do an intro uh, separate of the intro, but my, my gut told me today I want to do things a little differently. So bear with me, feel embarrassed. Uh, Let me just say something real quick. I'm feeling great. I've had a great day. I can't always say that, but I've, I've had a great day. And I just want to tell you, uh, just do whatever you got to do, man. Do it however you, know. you want to do it. I'm having a great time. So it doesn't <laughs> really matter. I'm going to be loving it no matter how you do it. So just have, I'm just giving you all the, I'm giving you a pep talk. Have a great time. <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I'm here for it. I'm feeling Perfect. fantastic. Awesome. Likewise. Um, okay. So my guest on the podcast today, you've already heard him speak, is uh, the guy, the guy that I always thought when I have this guy on my podcast, I have made it. <laughs> um, I've been I've been listening to Creative Pep Talk by Andy J Pizza for years, and it is exactly what it says. It's pep talk. So when you're down in the dumps and you feel bummed out, uh, Andy J Pizza brings the goods. Uh, so listen to it. I've talked about you many many times on my podcast already. Uh, you're my hero. And next to Stephen King, there's nobody I'd rather talk to. So I'm really excited oh, to have I mean, this time. I, that is a heck of a compliment. So thank you. That is, that's amazing. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers 
towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. I, I mean, your show, I don't know at what point you realize that you had to make it, but if there's any podcast that I think is essential for creators, yours really feels that way to me. It feels like you're speaking to the most important part of this effort. Um, no matter what you're creating, if you're creating visual art like yourself uh, and a podcast, obviously, or you're writing books like many of my listeners, uh, yeah. and also you've written a book, which is part of a big part of why you're here to talk. Um, how did how did that happen to you? When was it? When did you know I have this essential thing that I've got to do uh, for podcasting or just yes. okay, yeah, yeah? Let's start with the podcast. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so uh, you know, I think there's a couple layers to it, like because so, it goes beyond. It goes before I had a podcast, and actually, I wanted a podcast from 2010. It took me until 2014 to actually make it for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but I think all the way back in 2010, I wanted to do it. I, and then even before that, you know, moving to, I lived in England for college and then I got married in England. And, um, one of the reasons why we moved back was I, and this is just one of a lot of things, but one of the reasons was I really wanted to go back and, um, share with a handful of my creative friends, some of the stuff that had helped me get my start as an illustrator. Mm -hmm. um, when I was an Ill I, I started my illustration career back and I uh, graduated in 2008 in the UK and I got a handful of jobs from just a bunch of different things that we were doing, uh, kind of intuitively doing these things. And I was kind of like, man, this is great. Like, I can't believe this is working, first of all. And it was, you know, it was only just working. I was just starting but I was getting some cool jobs and I was getting some cool opportunities and things that I never thought were possible. And I knew I had friends back where I lived that I thought, and even to this day, I probably think they're more creative than I am. And I, I was just, I, I instantly was just like, I want to go tell them what I was doing so, so they can go do it. And I think it, it probably goes further than that where, you know, I grew up with a mom who, you know, I've talked about her a lot on my show because yep. she's a big inspiration to the show. Um, you know, I think I, so I have ADHD. She probably is the person that gave it to me. She's not diagnosed, but I, it's usually hereditary. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's where it came from. And, um, she's a really creative person and, uh, a goofball and just whatever, but sh her life has really sucked. She just kind of had a terrible life in mm -hmm. a whole bunch of ways. Um, she, you know, failed at a lot of things being a parent, one of them, like she didn't stick with either of her families. And, um, and, you know, I remember when I was a kid, uh, like I didn't live with her, but we would go visit her and we'd like spend the weekend or whatever, spend some weeks mm -hmm. in the summer with her. And I remember probably like second grade going there and I just love my mom Everybody in my life would tell me I was just like my mom, which I thought at the time, I thought this is amazing because she's the best, yeah. coolest, funniest person I know. Later, I started to feel like that was a curse because I was like, my mom's life sucks. I do not want to be <laughs> like her. 
Um, and so, but as a kid, I was like, I, she's just so fun and weird. And she, she drew like, sure. she would just draw all the time. She drew Wolverine on my X-Men trading card binder and Sharpie. And it was amazing. It was like my prized possession. She, uh, she's really good at drawing. And I remember one time going to her house and, uh, or going to my grandma's house and staying with her. And she was, she was like, oh, I'm making a picture book. Like I've been talking to a publisher and she showed me all the sketches. It was like an alphabet book. It wasn't, it was, you know, there were, there were some things that kind of were similar to the book that I just published, which was invisible things in that it was a group of characters, but they were, they were kind of like personified, um, but to the letter of letters of the alphabet, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. And they all had a little poem that was weird and, um, and it was really cool, but she, you know, I don't know if she said this, but I definitely got the impression like this is a done deal. Like she's making a picture book. Like I, I just was certain of it. And I think I went to my second grade class and I, I'm pretty sure I told my teacher before story time, I was like, Hey, pretty soon we'll get to read my mom's book. Cause she's got a picture book in the works. And um, yeah, and of course that never happened. And now time for a little ad break. Have you ever heard of the Luke and Time Mysteries? If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have. The host is also the author. The Luke and Time Mysteries are for anybody who likes a little R-rated action with a bit of magic, as well as characters who do incredibly unlikely things, such as drink two gallons of bourbon in a single sitting. It's local, it's place-driven, it's voicey, it's hard-boiled. And where does all of Lyle's food come from? Find out these details and more when you buy the Luke and Time Mysteries. Click the link in the show notes and we have every format available. Don't miss your chance to get a 60% discount just for being a podcast listener. Now back to the show. That never happened and she never really pursued any of her creative stuff. And so I think I just always felt like on some level if she had been able to realize some of her creative potential, she would have been a little bit less miserable in terms mm. of, you know, work life and, and whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm sure there's probably even some broken piece of it in my therapy. That's like, if I can help these creative people, I can have a mom or I could have had a mom. <laughs> wow. um, and I don't know. If, I don't know. If that, <laughs> I don't that, You're all of our <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but, but I think it's something like that. Like, I just feel like the ripples effect of a life unlived is yeah. catastrophic for that person. And then every other person in their life. And so I think that that's a huge answer. I'm sorry. I ranted for so long, no. but I think that's kind of, that's where the podcast came from. So I've, and I need so much insight and, and pep talk to keep me going, I have to be so resourceful in finding those things that keep me going that yeah. I, think I just wanted to make something for creatives where it wasn't as hard to find, you know, I was like every week you're going to get some of this that we all need. Yeah. 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 When I, when I got through your, your backlist, it was hard. It was actually hard for me because I would listen to your, your show. Like when I was taking a uh, dog walk or something and, and all kinds of different work, I would listen to your show and I could just listen for hours every day. And then finally I caught up and I was like, Oh, now I have to wait like everybody else <laughs> for the next episode. Kind of um, like when you're watching a show and you binge the first couple seasons and then now you're on the week to week and you're like, this is yeah. not as easy. I, yeah, that's, funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. You know, I, I'm also, before we get into your book, 
I'm thinking about all of the different places that your art is showing up now. Uh, I mean, you're in major stores. You're in Target. You're in um, uh, that glasses store that's been completely. Park? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I'm thinking, do you feel like you've arrived uh, or what, what's your what's your relationship to having achieved something truly great like that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> no, I, I don't think, uh, no, I don't feel like I arrived. I don't feel that. Whatever that feeling is that all of us think we want and are trying to get, I think it's, yeah. I, I think that that is a, I'm not the first to say this, it's not a profound thing to say really, but it's, it is true that I don't think, I think that's a marker that always moves and I don't know. I feel like I had a guy, Andy Minio, on my show who I don't, I didn't know his work really well. He's a rapper. Um, and he, but I knew that he listened to the show and I had friends in common with him. And yeah. uh, all of his music isn't all my taste, but some of it is. I, there's a few things. I mean, I think he's really talented, but there's a few things that he's made that I'm like, this is right in my sweet spot. But, um, but, uh, I think it's from one of his songs. So I'm just trying to give credit where credit is due um, about like the fear of you, you spend the first half of your career in the fear of I'm never going to make it. And then once yeah. you made it, you instantly can switch over into I'm going to lose it. Well, I'm I lose so it. it's just, I think, yeah. you, I think your relationship to um, attaining, I think is a, it's an elusive thing and it's probably best to just take it off the table of like, yeah. there's no, and I, and I think also it's like, um, yeah, cause you'll never have it. You'll go right. be going for it. Then you'll be squeeze, you know, grasping, trying to keep on to it. Like it, yeah. it's, I think there's a better thing to just kind of let it come and go and keep trying mm -hmm. and keep reinventing yourself and doing, you know? Um, and so I, I think that, um, and then I also think there's an element of maybe the first half of your journey is like trying to figure out what you do. And then and that's like a very linear journey. Mm -hmm. And this is how Stephen Pressfield talks about it. He's like, there's the hero mm -hmm. journey and then you do the artist journey. And I never read his book on that. Again, just giving credit credits due. I heard mm -hmm. him articulate that and he published it. So I feel like I have to. <laughs> yeah even though that's not really where I got it. Um, I just got it from my experience where I think the first part is much more like a hero's journey where you're really trying to find out what is my creative magic. And there's a start and there's an end where you're like, I think this is what I do. And then you can kind of graduate into the artist journey, which is more what uh, someone like Austin Cleon writes about where Austin Cleon would say creativity isn't a hero's journey. Um, it is a groundhog's day. It's just wow. Just doing your magic thing every day. You're just every day. It's, it's if you're a songwriter, you're just writing another song. You're just writing another song. You're, and you're just and and I think um, I think that's kind of so the uh, the making it yeah feels like the hero's journey where you're like oh I started here and I got there and now I'm there I've arrived I've done yeah. it whereas I think. Ultimately, the creative journey, um, the the second half of it, at least, needs to be, well, you never made it because there's always another song to write the next day or whatever. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I relate to that in so many ways. Um, and I know that in my journey, 
um, I mean, we've all had our bounces. People who listen to this podcast know pretty well that I originally had a literary agent. I was going to get published traditionally. Everything was looking great. And I felt like in some sense, I had, I did feel like I finally made it. I am here. Um, and then the book didn't sell. And so I had the crisis of, you know, do I keep trying this or how much of my life am I going to believe that being traditionally published means I've arrived here? I am. I've done it. I've done this thing. And so, um, much to my own shame for a little while, I self-published and I thought, uh, you know, I'm a hack. I'm not real. And so I've had a lot of conversations with folks on the show just to dial into that because it, this, this feeling of being a hack, if you've arrived or if you failed to arrive or if it didn't go your way is so deep. And I think that it has influenced more of my life than I even give it credit right now. I think I see new, new, uh, facets of where, I'm trying to be something that I'm not because I think that that means that I've arrived or something. And so I was, I was really interested to hear your take on that because um, you have the validity, but you are correct. You're always doing new things. You're always climbing new mountains. So that, that really resonates pretty deeply. with me. I, I love that. I also, um, I don't know what I've given because I've, I've published uh something like 10 books they're um they're not all books i guess some of them aren't like some of them are journals and there's you know but something like 10 traditionally published things yeah and so i've given a lot of thought at, to publishing and uh and i have a lot of opinions about it um <laughs> yeah. mo most of them are exactly in line with what you just said um but uh i heard i heard this person on tiktok and i i'm sorry i don't remember their name but she was saying that, uh, and I thought, gosh, this is a, this is so much what I'm trying to embrace myself and get other creators to embrace. And she, I think she called it like letting go of some, something like institutional validation. So mm. I don't remember if that's a term that she used or not, but she, she was talking about, I think she was in your shoes where she had been mm -hmm. published and then was self-publishing mm -hmm. and i i here's how I, i'll put it really simply like the only reason i really think this the only reason the only reasonable reason to publish your book through a publisher is if you're thinking about it through the lens of your creative practice your creative business mm-hmm only reason to do it is there is a part of your funnel and i sorry for using the funnel word because no I, yeah yeah i hate that word but <laughs> the only the customer journey that you have with your her <laughs> uh your your audience the only reason to publish a book traditionally is for the piece of the 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 journey which is in the middle to gain trust yes just one of many ways there, there are yeah. lots of it doesn't have to be that way but that is one thing getting yeah. published can do if you remember to utilize it and and you remember to use it for that and not expect anything else from it because you almost certainly will get nothing else from it and, <laughs> yeah. and there's so much and there, and, and if you just get practical for a minute, if you've been in that zone for half a minute, you're going to realize, yeah, duh, it just makes sense. At, 
that literally, um, and I look, I love uh, a lot of people that I work with in the publishing world. I really yeah. do. I, I've had a lot of really positive experiences, but even many of them will tell me that I'm right when I say the the whole publishing industry is venture capital. It's just it's literally just we're gonna bet on a thousand books. Mm-hmm. We don't have any way of knowing which of them are good or which of them will take off. Therefore, yep. we can't in a reasonable way back any of them or bet in on any of them in any substantial way. We just have to see if any of, we only need two of them to blow up. That's and right. That's it. And, and we don't know how that works because nobody knows how that works. Nobody knows why something blows up. Um, and that old business model is the lottery. It's not a business yep. model for the artist. Yep. It's the lottery. And you can't, you can't bank on that for your money. You can bank on it if you want to use it as an as a as a trust marker. Um yeah. anyway, I'm ranting, but that that's it's kind great. of that's the same. I, I think of it the same way of like, um, yeah. And and I have another bit that I could go off on, but I'll just throw it back to you before I do that. Yeah, well, so one of one of the things that it brings up for me, and I have said this before, but it fits in this conversation and as a response to you, uh, I had a guest on who was traditionally published and she pumps out books. She has two different pseudonyms and she loves writing. And what she said to me was, She's like, you know, I could make more money if I were self-publishing because I have dots, I have the, the the readers, I have their email addresses, yada, yada, yada. You know, the whole funnel set up for her. <laughs> but she said, she said, what I really love about traditional publishing is that I get the opportunity to write for six hours in the morning and then get a book, go out, look at the beach, light a joint and just, you know, relax. And yep. they do everything for me. So why not? And, and that, and guess what? Yeah, I love that. I think that makes total sense because, it, and, and if you're, if you are that person, yeah, that makes so much sense because even now, yes, I could make more money with my books if I self-published yep. and I might self-publish some, but really I'm because of the situation I'm in, I think if like, let's say I make a, a book that's for adults that maybe is either um, more personal storytelling or creative self-help or something like that. Yeah. Um, You know, if I was maximizing for profit, I probably would just self-publish that. And if, and if nobody wants to publish that stuff, then I will do that. Right. And I'll do so happily. But the way at the middle ground that I have kind of landed on as my next experiment we'll say mm-hmm. is um and i'm doing with this with picture books too is that even if getting published isn't arriving um and isn't the answer to all of your creative problems um what it does do is okay what i'm going to try to do is is just sell the books myself you know mm-hmm. you get um a decent discount when you buy your author's copies and all that kind of stuff. So I, what I'm going to do is just try to um, be my own bookshop. And therefore, yes, I'm giving, I'm getting more profit than just the royalties because I'm making the money that a bookshop would make. But I also am, uh, and I'm, and I am missing out on some of the profit that I could get as a self-published person, Right. but I'm not having to either manage 
or do the work of all the other pieces to creating a book, which there's a right. whole a whole bunch of other pieces, as we all know. Um, and so that's kind of how that's another way I've thought about publishing, which is kind of a middle ground, which is like, um, I'll, I will collaborate with them in terms of editing and then designing the book so that mm-hmm. I don't, and then printing it, but then mm-hmm. we'll sell it. And so yeah. it's kind of a give or take, give and take. Yeah. I love that episode. And you talked about it a ton of times, but you, you actually had Sophie on your show and you yeah. talked about beautiful, beautiful episode and hearing the friction. I think this is a great place to transition to this book. Um, I, like I heard so much of my wife and I's journey in, in that episode and um, giving each other, I don't, you know, I don't love the word grace because of some of the things that's attached to it, but I really like the concept of giving each other grace and just saying, Hey, I'm sorry I stepped into your lane right here, or I'm sorry I tried to control this too much. Uh, you are a valid human being with real good opinions, and I trust you. Uh, that's that's a cool experience. So for people who haven't yet listened to uh, Creative Pep Talk, that's a great episode to start on. Uh, do you happen to remember what number it is off the top of your head? If I not, I think it's 418. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I will make sure to link it in the show notes. But um, And then if you can talk a little, just, I mean, really, really summarize that process and why this book was so special to you, because it's, it's really clear from, from all of your episodes that it is a very special book to you. And, and so I, I love to, you know, share that with the audience. Yeah, sure. So the book's called Invisible Things. And I, like you said, I co-wrote it with my wife, Sophie Miller. And um, it's a special book for, I mean, just countless reasons. So I'll tell you what it is. It's a, it's a kid's book. I, I, it is genuinely one of those things where I do think it's, I'm not saying it's as good as a Pixar thing, but it, I do think it feels like it's for grownups as well as kids. And I don't feel like that about all my books. It's probably the only kid's book that I've done that I do feel that way about. Um, in the in in essentially it is about personifying the invisible it is making um both you know scientific forces senses and um psychological and emotional um things into characters and i okay so it's special for a bunch of reasons one one is um it's been a project that's been in the works for uh over a decade um so it's a decade in the making and um and it's also it came from a real turning point in my creative journey um it's it came from a project i did where i was doing a new character every weekday for a year that was back in 2011 and the reason why i did that project was i was at the time a struggling illustrator I'd had some good opportunities, but, um, you know, when the economy got rough and the trends kind of changed, I was just left with not getting any jobs. And I know it was because like, I hadn't really differentiated myself in any substantial way. And I really just kind of fallen into doing trendy work, which I think is part of the process for most creators. I'm not like talking crap about myself or anything. I think it was natural. But it was yeah. time to evolve and make it more personal and and find something deeper in my creative practice. And so I did um 
I kind of, I'd say intuitively, but it was more like fumbling in the dark kind of, I couldn't, I didn't know how, how do you find a style? How do you make stuff that has substance and is more personal? I didn't know. And, and, you know, I, I think there were less resources even then when I was doing that. Um, and so I just really like started obsessively consuming everything I could find from my creative heroes and also compiling that work and trying to make connections about what was similar about these things. Um, you know, for instance, I would collect all these, this is before Pinterest even, I think. And I was collecting like, um, uh, all these things that are folders on my desktop that I rem just things that felt really how, what I would call them now is psychically charged things that are yeah. like, you know, not just like you walk out of the movie and you're like, that was good. We walk out of the movie and you're like, I'm a different person now. Like, you know, those yeah. kind of things. Um, yes. I just like collected all of those things and I try to like, see like, what is the, are there any patterns? And th that was a really difficult process because at the time I thought there is no pattern. This is just a bunch of random stuff that I like. There's an, and and so I'm glad I had at least the faith to explore it because yeah. turns out there were a ton of patterns. There were a bunch of things that were um, really there. And so um, one of them was, you know, the things I collected were things like um, Zelda link to the past, super Nintendo uh, game. Yeah. Best with, I still think it's incredible. Um, Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, um, and then Moomin and Fraggle Rock and all these things. Yeah. And, uh, and so I put them in a big pile and I, and the first thing I noticed was that a lot of them were heroes journeys. And so, okay, that was mm -hmm. one symbol or archetype that I started like pulling at to be like, what's this? What mm -hmm. is it? I want to know about it. I want to explore that. Another, uh, symbol or archetype that they had in common was a lot of them had, I actually, I need to look up, um, what this is called in kind of archetypal archetypal language, because I don't know, but I know it is a thing. It might be that there's, there's, um, I know there's one about like, I think it's called like the God man or something where it's like a bunch of people, a cast of characters that make up one thing. And so, um, I don't know what it's called, but something like that, but Another pattern I saw in all the things I loved was huge group of characters. So things like Pokemon, right? Like that yeah. kind of thing where it's just a hundred characters or whatever. Like I was obsessed with the um, multifaceted, just so diverse thing, just the infinites of that. Then another one was the archetype of the hidden world or the portal to a hidden mm -hmm. world. And again, these are all things that were not obvious at the time. Like they weren't, I didn't see it. It wasn't obvious to me that the wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland link to the past Fraggle rock were all about a hidden world. They're all about that. And yeah. so, uh, that's what invisible things is, but the personal element of it. And is that it's, I was always obsessed with hidden worlds because I was obsessed with fantasy, but it mm. wasn't until I was about 17 or 18 and really started um, 
you know, reading like popular science around quantum physics or getting into spirituality or um, getting into psychology and, you know, the world of emotions and stuff like that, that I realized like the hidden worlds are real. Like the, the things that were the things in these stories, they're real things. There are hidden yeah. worlds. And actually yeah. look into it. 97% of our universe is invisible. That's how mysterious our world, our world is so freaking yeah. weird. And so yeah. that was a huge turning point for me personally, because as someone with ADHD, I just found our universe to be so uninspiring. And so I was really mm -hmm. checked out of life. Wow. And so discovering those things are the things that made me say yes to actually being present. And so people have commented on the book being kind of like a guided meditation. And I didn't, we definitely intended, we definitely purposely put some meditation practices in it, mm -hmm. but I didn't really, it wasn't meant, I never, we didn't intend it to be a guided meditation, but looking yeah. back, I'm like, oh, that makes sense because it is a, it's a sell on why to be present. It's a sell on why our universe is worth sticking to and, and, and leaning into. Um, so yeah, that's a huge answer. <laughs> huge. Answer. But yeah. that's, that's what the book is. So I want to ask uh, a question that might be a little off the wall and I'm going to preface it by saying um, I just recently learned and I've written many books and books that I'm very proud of. Uh, but I just unlocked for myself the most important thing and it's it's literally that i have to smile while i work i know this sounds crazy i've, I've heard some things like this keep going i love this okay. it's a it's a conscious choice that i start when i'm when i'm writing and i smile at my work and yeah. it does a few things that i i never knew and it, it's people people have asked me when i've been talking about this recently because it's quite a new discovery but it has altered how i write so dramatically it feels like a rebirth um, and, and I'll write like scenes where people are getting tortured because I write rated R fiction. So, you know, and I'm sitting there smiling and I've even laughed at myself when I'm like, like what a freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has imbued my work with more humor and more depth and more love. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious if there's anything like that for you. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be like a, a revelation or, a, you know, a life changer, but you were talking a lot about discovering yourself in your journey. And I'm curious if, if there was ever a moment where you thought there's this thing that I do and it, it means that I'm in it. Yeah. 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 Yes. So there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of things that came to mind, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the one that I think is the most powerful to me. Um, so, uh, first of all, I love the smiling thing. Cause I, I find myself, I do always find myself, if I'm drawing an expression on a character, I find that I'm making the face without realizing it. Um, yeah. It's really funny. Um, but I love that because I think, you know, you are going to, you're definitely translating. I, I also think about like, um, I think a lot about taste. And when, when I'm writing, I'm really trying, if I want, if I'm trying to make something that makes people feel happy tears. I'm trying to make myself in the writing feel that I'm trying to make myself have the experience I'm trying to give someone else. And if I use that as a true North, it's really power. It's, it's been really useful to me, but um, the thing that I would say the number one, um, the juiciest, like creative hack, I guess 
that I'm currently obsessed with. And I always kind of go through different ones. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll tell you too, because I have another one that circles back to something we were gonna we were talking about earlier. But yeah, the number one is I've become increasingly obsessed with um uh illustration as symbol. So mm. that's the same whether you're writing or or drawing. So it's just, yeah. just using an image. So, mm. you know, and I'm sure your, your people have heard a, a million times, like show don't tell. Yeah. I think that's what this is getting at partially because mm. the thing that I, um, the reason I love images and illustration is because I think the whole reason to tell a story is to help someone take something that they already know on some level mm. and make them feel it fresh. You can know something on a head level, but mm -hmm. it doesn't do you hardly any good as a person. It, do it doesn't really do anything for you. You can say you're supposed to be present with your kids and you can say, I know that we all know that, but then yeah. you watch a movie like about time and you're like, I knew that, but now I'm feeling that. And it yeah. means next two weeks, I'll be a better dad. So yeah. another story. So you need, you need tons, you need, you need yeah. reminders, right? Yeah. So the thing about, I, I have a lot of reasons why I think an image does that, but um, I think the image or the symbol is the crux of the story because uh it speaks the the language of our deepest, most primitive self. It's the reason why we feel it instead of just think it is yeah. because, and this is what, um, and part of this comes from getting really obsessed with um, dream interpretation again. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why is if I said to you, like, I don't know if I'm going to, make this deadline for my book next week. Yeah. I could even think cognitively like, yeah, I can imagine next Tuesday when it's due, not handing it in and being pretty like that being a big deal. And I can feel a little bit of that for sure. Yeah. It's part of what motivates me. But that night I'll have a dream and the dream will be, I'm missing a flight that I, yes, yeah that it's really expensive. And I'm, if I miss it, I'm not going to make the trip and whatever. Yeah. And the image of a missed flight, I will feel it like it's happening yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And so the, um, so this, this piece has been the thing that is just every time, every time I go to tell a story, cause I tell a lot of stories on my show. I tell yep. a lot of stories on stage and I tell stories through books. Every time I do, it starts with the th kind of third act revelation that I'm trying to have the character have, which is whatever it is. And that's the truth. That's a, this is the be present with your kids or invisible things. It would be, um, you need to be and. You need to learn how to get in touch with 97, 97% uh, of your experience here, which is not visible, or you're going to miss this whole thing. That, yeah. that whole thing, 
but the image is these characters that you can see. So it's, a, and so every single story I tell, I'm starting with the thing I'm trying to say is 97% of the universe is invisible. That's the thing I'm trying to say. And mm-hmm. then I'm trying to find what is the picture mm. that illustrates that. And I'll give you two examples just so that it's really clear. Yeah. One is if, if, if the thing I wanted to say was the reason why you can't make your goals is because there's someone stopping you mm. and that person is you. Yeah. If that's the thing I wanted to say. The best story to tell is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The best mm. story to tell is a, st- a story about a two-headed monster. Because guess what? You mm. are a two-headed monster. You are yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You're two people. You're the person that wants the goal, and you're the person that stops yourself from getting the goal. You're both yeah. things. So I'm going to tell you a story mm. so that you don't just know that, but you feel it. And what you yeah. what I want you to feel, actually, the truth would be they have to make friends. That's mm. the whole idea. You have yeah. to get something because that deep self that's stopping you, it's not stopping you because it's bad. It's stopping you because something about your goal isn't inspiring your whole self. So mm. somewhat one side is wrong. You wow. need to get them to be friends. So that's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's the whole point of it. That the, the multiple personalities is a perfect image or illustration of the thing. And so when you watch is a great thing. If you watch any, if you watch moon Knight, and it's about this guy who's got multiple yeah. personalities, I said to Sophie and I'm not really, you know, I'm not, so I don't, I can't do this for all symbols. I'm not some like genius, like I call it every time, but I knew because I was been studying this thing. I was like, at the first episode, I was like, I tell you what, by the end of this series, the whole point is going to be these two have to make friends. And that's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, and so uh, another example real quick is I do the same thing if I'm just making a picture. So, um, or I'm trying, I'm always trying to do that. And one that I did recently that I liked a lot was, okay, I want to, the truth that I want to tell is listen to yourself. You need to listen to yourself. Um, and, it, and I was getting at the idea that like, if you won't even listen to yourself, like if you won't as a creative actually like journal, you like, you don't even give a crap about yourself. Why yeah. would anybody else take an interest there? Yeah. You have to think there's something worthwhile in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, and so yeah, go ahead. I'll get well, to my. It's it's almost like I either I either accidentally push the conversation this way or we're on a similar frequency at this moment because you're speaking exactly to the journey I'm on. The the last few episodes that I've done for my listeners that have been solo non-interview uh, episodes, I've talked about and I tell them I, I preload it by saying I'm going to get woo woo here. I'm I'm going all you know spiritual or crazy, but uh, honestly, the law of attraction is something that that has changed my life. because because I started to understand. And it was, it was my friend, John, I've mentioned him so many times recently, he and his new girlfriend came out to visit me. He's a lifelong friend of mine. And, uh, we're sitting at a fire. We're quite drunk (laughs) and nothing good ever happens when you're quite drunk, except Jessica looks at me and I'm talking about my frustrations in not selling as many books as I want to be selling. And she, she said, uh, you're stopping yourself. You're doing this to yourself. 
And I don't know why it hit so hard like truth. I remember it like I can vividly see that moment. And that changed so much for me. And, and it's been this great, you know, it feels like a rush or a waterfall. And so much of what you just talked about really speaks to that. And people people get this idea in their head about the secret and and who they think Rhonda Byrne is and that whole empire that it became. And I, I guess I'm saying this to you and to me and to the listeners as much as possible. It's still real. It's that invisible stuff you're talking about, the energy. Can I tell you something? Uh this, I said this on my podcast and I kind of regretted it because I I try to make my podcast um, all ages friendly. Not all ages, but at least not super yeah. inappropriate. Yeah. And I've, you know, this is one micro area where I kind of faulted on this to prove a mm-hmm. point. But since you already brought up smoking joints and drinking and stuff, I <laughs> yeah. just, it, you know, I don't have to play by my own rules. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Because I think my favorite um, analogy or illustration or image to illustrate what I do think is true about the secret is I think the secret is half true. This is my, and I'll tell you why. And so by saying that, I will say, I do think there is some really powerful truth that all all people, all creators could really take something really important from. And the only problem is that I have is it feels kind of like a parenting book that you go pick up mm-hmm. and then you open it up and it turns out to just be like the book of Kama Sutra. And it's like, <laughs> hold on a second. Wait, <laughs> what? And, and, and here's the thing. In a way, it is half true it's how to become a parent. That, <laughs> yeah. That's a super key point. You can't right. be a parent right. without this part, okay? Yeah. yeah. And I think that the thing I take away from all of that, because I I do consider myself to be at least 50% spiritual. I th- And that's how <laughs> kind of I like to think about it. I feel like I'm a spiritual person having <laughs> an earthly experience. Yeah. I need to, and because I, I lean spiritual, mm-hmm. I really have had to, dig my heels into the earthiness. I've really had to be like, let me fall in love. Like I said, invisible things is falling in love with being on earth. It's Mm -hmm. falling in love with the practical. It's farming hands, you know, that kind of thing. Like, um, because I'm not prone to that. So the, um, the thing that I, so I was just saying, I, I am spiritual and I can get, I go that way. That's my nature actually. But I think that, um, and the takeaway I take from it mm-hmm. is that, and it kind of connects to that thing I wanted to pull back to, is knowing what you want, like really knowing, mm-hmm. making sure your ego and your deep self, which are the yeah. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, yeah. are in agreement that's what I think most of the secret and law of attraction is about is yeah. can you really with your whole being want one thing. And when you do that, it is like magic because it's just doing that is so hard to do. It's a lot of yeah. the work. Yeah. I think it's and, uh, uh, almost, almost all the work it feels like is, is making it real to yourself 
I mean, this stuff's so new to me. Like, I, I, I'm 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 just a baby in in understanding all of this, but it's it's been profound. And and I've told people on the podcast the only change that I made uh, from when when my friend told me that was to to start to embrace this idea. And I started, I started getting clear on what I wanted and what I really deeply wanted. And I asked questions like, why am I writing? I mean, there's a competitive part of me that just wants to be great, but that's not enough to sustain. What am I doing? And at the same time, really embracing the idea that I can have these things. And it's weird to say, like, how, how could I have gone this far and never given myself permission to have what I wanted? Why could I never say it is mine? And, and I just is that that's exactly what I was saying is when yeah. she said the reason you're not selling the books you want is because of you. I yeah. guarantee when you stopped and thought about it, you could see that she was right, that there is a part of you that did not want it. Why? Yeah. yeah. You have to have a conversation with that person. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get on the same page. And so, yeah. and I think the way that you do that is. Um, I think what you do is you have my, my, my thing is falling down. Um, my, uh, pop filter. Okay. I think what you have to do is, um, and this goes back to what I wanted to mention earlier. Um, I can't remember, I can't remember what made me want to go here, but it was something earlier. I was thinking about how, uh, with a with a character and a story, a lot of the times, you know, a story, as you know, like is about conflict, right? There's always a conflict. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think that is, is because for the most part, a character wants something that they don't need. They think it's going to meet a need. This is why I was talking. This is why I was going to bring it up earlier is because. A lot of us wanted to get published, mm. we wanted to get published because we thought it was going to give us something we need. Yeah. Guess what? We were wrong. So we had to go right. through that story. You can actually avoid a lot of stories, meaning you can avoid a lot of conflict in your life by mm -hmm. not going after things as one part of you that you want that aren't mm -hmm. going to meet any of your needs, but instead yeah. stopping and saying, okay, I want that. Well, what need do I think that's going to meet? That's yeah. getting to that deeper self that's in conflict. And then when you start saying to that person, what is the actual need? Is it money? Yeah. Is it connection? Is it whatever? And then you have to say, is selling books the best way to meet that need? Right. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If you yeah. have that conversation and that deeper self says, yes, that probably is the best way. You yeah. just converted them to being on your team. Yeah. Now you can go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about these questions just almost um, obsessively the last few weeks. And uh, it, it, I love that you asked that question, is selling books really going to meet that need? And for me, what I started to to understand, and I actually have an episode coming out this Monday that that is get clear on your goals. And I want people to, to think about it because what I would notice when I would be on Twitter, for example, is uh, I would ask a question to the author community. And I would say, um, you know, how many copies of your book do you want to sell? Or what's this? And I would constantly get people answering that question. And they'd be like, if just one reader loves my book, then I'm happy. 
And I could never, I could never understand that. Like it just didn't compute. I was like, I worked way too hard for one person to love this thing. (laughs) But then I started to realize that we do have different lives. Like you're not me and I'm not you. And what I, what I truly deeply want is a different thing. And that's actually okay. There may be people out there who only want one reader. I still, I still think it's pretty unlikely because I think that that's, I think that that's, I don't like the term self-sabotage very much, though that might be a good example of that is if you set your goal so low that, um, you know, mystically you can just have it. Uh, it I agree. I I think there's, I agree with what you're saying. I think there's value in um, creatively setting your target on one person. I think, you know, that's Stephen King talks about that. I think that's true, but I agree with what you're saying. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, but I'll say something really practical about, um, and I'm going to do an episode on this. I've been thinking a lot about it. So if, if you want to get in touch with, if you don't want to run and have a bunch of conflict, AKA have a bunch of unnecessary stories where you have to learn the hard way that the thing you want, isn't what you need. The, the thing you can do is you can stop and you can't, you don't have to just ask yourself, um, I can't remember what I called this, but I had a name for it. But um, you can't just, you don't have to just say, well, what do I need? One way that you can do it a little bit more, one tip maybe for making it a little bit more practical is you can um, uh, filter it through the lens of something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you can say, okay, these are my needs. Which of these, and and then actually make it a hierarchy like dominoes. So you're saying, these are my needs. What, I need all of them. Yeah. But which is the one that I need next? Okay. So do you need, uh, and they're basically three things. So they're, they're your physical needs, your social needs, and your psychological needs. And yeah. they kind of go up from there and you could, you can parse those out into more micro things, but you need physical, social, psychological, um, and, and you could say spiritual or psychological. They're both kind of the same thing or whatever, or they're at least in the same ballpark. Yeah. Uh, now there's a whole bunch of other, I could add a bunch, but I won't cause, cause you can actually, whether you're, if you're a top down thinker, you might need to start at the top and then work your way back to make sure the way you're making money is pointing towards your social connections and pointing ultimately towards your spiritual psychological. Or if you're a bottom up thinker, you might just be like, I can't even think about writing yeah. some transcendent thing if I don't yeah. know how to pay my bills. So, so you might have to start there. Depends on how you, cause people are different. So but that's what I would do. If I were you, any person, if you're thinking about your goals, don't think about what you want. Think about what you need because until the day you die, you're going to have needs. So yeah. you just need to get the hierarchy right. If your money's good, you don't need to think about money. Fine. Yeah. Now you got to think about social. Now, if you're thinking about social, you might need, I need a thousand connections. I need to make a thousand yeah. connections with this book. Okay. Well, it, maybe if, if you're an author that already has that, yeah. maybe the next book you need to write, it isn't about having thousands of connections because it's not social anymore. Maybe yeah. the book you need to write now is I need to wrestle with an existential question. Yeah. 
That's what I'm writing this book for because it's now I have a psychological need. Right. You know yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think a lot about that and I do, I look forward to the time. So I made the choice with my, my books and then I need to let you go because I've taken too much of your time. But um, I, I, I decided that I was going to turn my books that I was agented with into a series so that I could sell more books. That was a practical choice. It hurt me so bad uh, to do it because uh, have you seen the movie, the road or read the book, the road before? Are you familiar with it? Cormac McCarthy? Uh, no, I've heard, of it. I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's no, it's no real spoiler and it's been out long enough that uh, I'm, I'm fine spoiling it for anybody, but the, the end of, of the, the book and the movie are the same. And it's that the, the father has been trying to raise his son to just carry the fire, to be alive and to, to exist and make good choices. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, the, the, the dad dies and the last scene of the book slash movie is the boy meeting some people for basically the first time. Like they have not met anybody. They've hid from cannibals and all kinds of dark stuff. And the boy meets people and they invite him to join them. And I think that I know for sure that my, my master's, uh, my thesis advisor, he thought for sure that they were going to eat the boy. They were going to take him back and cook him and eat him. That was his belief. I always believed that they were good people and that the boy was, was, well taken care of and provided for. And I think I, I wrote my book with that kind of a, an ending where it's like, what kind of person are you? I like the book to read you a little bit. And and once I gave it a sequel, well, now you know what happened. Um, it wasn't a cliffhanger, but it was just kind of an uncertain thing. And so, um, I yeah, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the creation of art so much. What we just did is we did an hour of conversation and never talked about marketing. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I know that the, the people are going to get a ton out of this and I hope that they go binge your show. And if they stop listening to mine to listen to yours, I'm a-okay with that. Uh, last thing I do want to do though, is, is let people know how to get in touch with you most effectively to just consume your work and, and love what you're doing. Yeah. Um, if you want to look at the book, invisiblethings.co is probably the easiest place to look at it. Um, if you want to follow along with what I do, I, I would say um, that you can go to find my podcast, uh, Creative Pep Talk, wherever podcasts are proliferated. But um, I will tell you that, uh, and I'm actually just pulling it up because I can't remember. I think it's 389 actually. Um but it's the episode and it's the the creative pep talk 10 rules of creativity or something like that but it's a it's, it's my rules it's not they're not the this is not the way you do it it's just these yeah. are these are the 10 things that are kind of ground the podcast and it's a great place to start so i think it's 389 if not you can just um search 10 rules creative pep talk and you'll find it okay Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. I had a, a great, a great conversation. And I do want to end letting you know that you are a truly as kind as you come across on your podcast. And that's not always the case. Um, you're, yeah. you're a genuine kind person. Thank you. Hey, nothing matters more than that. Um, yeah. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. I, I, honestly, great conversation. L loved, loved all your questions. So uh, thanks. And uh, thanks for promoting the show and everything. Good luck with everything. Thanks. You too. Bye.
Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?